0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So, I get to do a message in the Heroes and Villains uh, series, which I almost didn't get a chance to do because I've been jumping all about. Uh, And I'm excited about this. The message is Saul, Saul, and Paul, and I will explain that. Uh, the series is just talking about the heroes and villains and and over this past month, I know you 've heard uh, the stories of different heroes and villains, and the Bible is filled with all of these great stories and it ref- it 's reflective of life i mean it's it 's what life is about we encounter uh, villains or problems in our lives and we 're called to be heroes and we encounter heroes and it's it 's the thing of all movies stories books comics right it 's that that uh, con, uh, what are the three uh, man against man, man against nature, right? <coughs> uh, tensions within the storyline, and sure enough, it's in Scripture. And today I want to look at two heroes and two villains. So I'm going to squeeze a lot in in 25 minutes. <laughs> Pray for me. Hero number one is found in First Samuel chapter nine. It says there was a wealthy, influential man named Kish. From the tribe of Benjamin, his son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. Can you imagine having that in scripture? God's eternal word describing you. I mean, dang, this guy must have been something, right? He was not a hunk. He was the hunk of the whole nation. Really? Right? This is God's infallible word. And it says (laughs) he was the most handsome man. Don't you just wish you could have a picture of him? Like, What's this guy look like? Head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. Not only was he good looking, he was tall too. Uh, It's rare in scripture that that the Bible gives any reference to physical appearance. Only a few people. And so this this is just kind of unique. It, It kind of calls our attention to, wow, what is the deal with this guy? Uh, And um, he's just an obedient son. So in the story, his father, who is wealthy, loses some donkeys and says, son, take some servants, go find my donkeys. He's like, okay, dad. So he's just on his journey looking for the lost donkeys. And on his search, he encounters the prophet Samuel, as well as God, what actually happened was they'd been searching for days and days. And he's like, listen, my dad's going to be more concerned about us than the donkeys. We better go back. And the servant said, well, you know, there's a, there's a prophet in this town. Let's go ask him. Maybe he can help us since he's a prophet of God. So he's okay, we'll go, we'll go ask the prophet. <clears throat> and they went and asked the prophet, and something amazing happened. All right, because Saul, unbeknownst to him, was chosen and anointed by God. And we see this happen in the story. It says, Now the Lord had told Samuel, the very prophet that Saul was about to approach to ask about donkeys, the previous day, the Lord said to Samuel, About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them, or save them from the Philistines, For I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, That's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Wow. Can you imagine having that level of prophetic gifting to be able to hear the Lord so clearly? They'd tell you so-and-so is going to come by tomorrow. And this is what you need to do. And this is what he's going to do. Well, that's the level of, of, of anointing that Samuel was walking in. And Saul approached. And God said, that's the man. <clears throat> and he actually takes uh, Saul, Samuel does, and has a feast. And... Saul, you know, is just a young guy. He's like, what's going on here? And he gives him extra portions, and he introduces him to the, whole, the, the rulers of the city. And then he actually, Samuel, anoints Saul right there and then as king and prophesies this elaborate prophecy over him about what was going to happen. And you can read all about it. I can't read the whole chapter, but you can. It's all in the book. <laughs> and I encourage you to do it, Saul, because it's quite amazing. So here's this young man Good-looking guy, just doing about going about his father's business, and he gets selected by God, and then called by the prophet and anointed as king. And wow, <clears throat> um, he's radically transformed uh, by this encounter with God. Um, in fact, on the way home, he 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 encounters God in an even more dramatic way. Uh, Samuel had prophesied this. He said, "At." at uh, as he, was, he prophesied that as Saul left him after being anointed as king, as he's on his way back home, that amongst a number of things would happen. But one of the things that happened is that he'd come across a group of, of uh, prophets. And uh, when he found them, and he came across them on the road back home, that he would actually be, uh, it says this, at that time, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them you will be changed into a different person. Wow. So here's the prophet of God saying, God's gonna change you. He's gonna make you a whole new person. And these signs, uh, uh, and these signs take place. Do, at, after these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. And it's exactly what happens. <clears throat> it says, uh, uh, as Saul turned to walk away from Samuel, as he started to leave, God gave him a new heart. So this was a genuine, powerful, anointed encounter with God that transformed this young man into not only being good-looking, but he's now anointed and called to be king. And he sees these um, miracles happen and the prophecies fulfilled. God's intentions were good for Saul and for the nation of Israel. And Saul's intentions at this stage was good because he was destined and called to be a hero. And that's what he is, initially. He quickly, after this encounter, becomes a great leader. And this is just one of many stories you can read through the Scriptures. This is from 1 Samuel 11. Um, what had happened shortly after he was anointed king, he went back home. He's just at home doing his business. And um, you have to understand that this, the nation of Israel had never had a king. Previously, they'd been ruled by what was called judges, prophets or men and a couple of women uh, were raised up by God to deliver or or intervene on a national level uh, when certain things would happen. Uh, Enemies attacked, there would be certain people that would rise up, lead uh, the people of Israel and uh, defeat an enemy and then they just kind of fade back out of the limelight. So they'd never had a king. So this was the very first king. So it was a major shift in the storyline of uh, Scripture and a major shift in the whole economy and society of the nation of Israel. And it's actually part of the process of preparing uh, uh, for receiving the king of kings, which is, of course, Jesus. So this was a major deal in the Old Testament history that Saul, being the first king, he gets anointed, he goes home, and then something happens. Some enemies attack and uh, hold siege a city. And Saul hears about it. There's a verse that says, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he became very angry because of what the enemy was doing to the people of God. And that motivated him to send out a message to all the men of Israel to gather together to rescue this this city. And so Saul mobilized them at this place called Bezik, or whatever I don't know, <laughs> and he found that when he, uh, he found that there were three hundred thousand men from Israel and thirty thousand men from Judah. So his message that sent out actually rallied three hundred thirty thousand. That's a pretty good turnout, right? <clears throat> and Saul went to the messengers. Saul uh, sent the messengers back to Jabesh Gilead. Jabesh Gilead was the city that was being besieged by the uh, uh, Ammonites. And he said, we will rescue you by noontime tomorrow. So this is an ancient city. They had been, they're hiding inside their city walls. Outside the walls are all the enemies, uh, ready to attack, just waiting until uh, the city runs out of food and water and there's an opening and they rush in, but they get a message. That somebody sneaks in of the message and says, hey, there's going to be a rescue tomorrow uh, about noon, was in the noontime tomorrow. And so there was great joy throughout the town when that message arrived. And the men of Jabesh <coughs> then told their enemies. So they sent out a message to the enemies surrounding the city saying, basically, it sounded like they were going to give up. Tomorrow, we will come out to you and you can do whatever you wish. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so the enemy was like, okay, we're going we're to win this tomorrow. So they're kind of relaxed, right? But before dawn the next morning, Saul arrived. Run, run, run. Dun, 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 dun. No. I want sound effects. Come on. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Saul arrived. Having divided his army into three detachments, he launched a surprise attack against the Ammonites and slaughtered them. The whole morning, tremendous victory. The remnant of their army was so badly scattered that no two of them were left together. This whole army, not one, there a few of them escaped, but all, by, only by sneaking away by themselves, right? And the people exclaimed to Samuel as a result. he <coughs> says, now where are those men who said, why should Saul rule over us? Um, what had happened when, when Samuel anointed Saul as king, there were some people, that were discontent. Can you imagine that? Yeah, really. <laughs> and had complained and they were like, "Why should this Saul guy rule over us? Who does he think he is?" You know, and so they were they were whining about it and um, you know, they didn't do anything about it. So now they're like, after this great victory, everybody was stirred up. Let's let's get those people and kill them. But Saul replied, listen to Saul's heart here. All right? He was humble. He's like, no one's going to be executed today. Today the Lord has rescued Israel. And then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us all go to Gilgal to renew the kingdom. And so they all went to Gilgal, and in the solemn assembly before the Lord, they made Saul king, first king of Israel, king over a united kingdom, something that David would not attain for many, many years after he became king. And so we see that Saul here becomes a hero. Uh, he offered uh, peace offerings <coughs> to the Lord, and Saul and all, the Israels, uh, all Israelites were filled with joy. And so Saul was a great hero. He goes on and uh, leads many, many successful military campaigns and has many, many victories. He really, really, really was a hero. A lot of times we think of Old Testament Saul, and we only think of the bad part. But he started out a hero. He's the first hero, but he's also the first villain. All right, Villain number one. King Saul. After being king and having success for quite a few years, he began to break down rather slowly, gradually. Uh, one of the stories that we have is found in chapter 13, where we find him fearful <coughs> and impatient. Well, uh, the situation was that uh, he was up against another battle. Now, he'd been battling for years and, and winning, most of them all. But for some reason, <coughs> this was a significant battle. And his, uh, the people of Israel were very scared of this enemy. They were trembling with fear. And Samuel had told Saul, go to this particular place and I will be there in seven days and I will do the sacrifice and then you'll fight the enemy and you'll win. And so Saul was waiting and waiting and waiting. It was the seventh day and Samuel wasn't here and, and he sees the fear in the people and what's, what he sees is his authority being threatened. Because some people are actually leaving. They're getting, they're booking it. Because they don't have confidence in him anymore. And he becomes afraid. And he's impatient. Because this prophet guy is not here yet. And so he does the stupid thing. He says, I'm just gonna do it myself. And that was really bad because he, it was, it was unlawful. It was against God's command for Samuel I'm sorry, for Saul to offer sacrifices to God. Only the priests, only the prophets can do that. But Saul, being impatient and being afraid, takes it into his own hands and offers the sacrifices. Just as he's doing it, Samuel shows up on time, just at the end of the day, and sees what's going on. And goes, how foolish! Ah, Saul! How foolish! You have... Uh, not kept the command of the Lord your God had given you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. And so this is one of the first examples we see where Saul uh, uh, reacted out of fear, reacted out of impatience, and because of that he violated God's word and positioned himself in disobedience. But then he gets even more um, flagrant in his disobedience, he was commanded in another battle to completely destroy the Amalekites who had attacked Israel, to go into the city and kill everyone, kill all the animals, kill all the people, especially the king. But (coughs) uh, what happened was, and we read in uh, 1 Samuel 15, Saul and his men spared Agag's life, the king of uh, the Amalekites, and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to him. Hmm. Go destroy everything. They're going through and they're like, hey, wait, wait, wait. A minute. That's a pretty nice looking calf. Put that over there. Wait, 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 wait. that lamb? We're going to keep that one, right? And so they're going through, instead of obeying God's word, they're like, I think we're going to overrule that and we're going to do it this way. And they kept all the good stuff. They destroyed only what was worthless and what was of poor quality. And the Lord said to Samuel, in response to this disobedience, God spoke to Samuel and said, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. Oh, God is disappointed. God's God's sorry. For he has not been loyal to me. So this is where we see the heart of Saul. And the reason why he became a villain is because he lacked loyalty. To God, and he has refused. It didn't. He didn't misunderstand. He refused to obey my commands. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. And actually, Samuel mourned for Saul because he really had his hopes in Saul, and he loved Saul. Uh, But when Samuel went to confront Saul, Saul actually tries to put the blame on the people. And so we see even more of a deterioration of Saul's character. <clears throat> uh, he Then, the last uh, picture that we're going to look at real quickly is, is when he became envious and jealous of, of David. What had happened was, uh, as king, David comes onto the scene and he, you know, he, he kills Goliath and he gets a reputation of being a, quite a good fighter and he takes on more and more responsibility. He eventually becomes a commander in the army. And so David, uh, rather Saul, uh, leads the army out, along with David and other uh, uh, soldiers to, to fight a battle. And when they came back, they actually won. they won the battle. When they came back, the whole city was celebrating. and especially the young women were out uh, singing and dancing, because they, uh, the army had been victorious. And this is what they saying. is they sang and danced for joy. Everybody was happy. Uh, With tambourines and cymbals. (coughs) Uh, They were charismatics. (coughs) Uh, They were Pentecostals. (coughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This was their song Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, right? And they're rejoicing. But listen, this is what Saul heard. It, It made him very angry. What's this? They credit David. With 10,000, and me with only thousands? (laughs) I mean, what's the attitude? Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. That reveals a person's heart. You know, if he had a father's heart, if he had the right heart, he'd say, oh, man, this young guy is actually going to excel and exceed me. That would be great. There's nothing that makes me happier than if my sons become greater than me. But that's not what Saul had. He was afraid of losing what he had. He was jealous that the attention was going to David. And he became very angry. And we see it um, uh, 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 get much, much worse very quickly. It says, The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day Oh. Musicians should practice every day. <laughs> All right. Uh, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and suddenly he hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped. And so we see it go from uh, anger to jealousy to rage to, to the point where he wanted to murder uh, David, and he continued to do that. Saul ends up losing everything. Uh, Samuel anoints David as king. In place of Saul, <coughs> although it takes a while for that to happen, Saul continues to deteriorate. He spends more time chasing after David, trying to kill him, than he did fighting the enemies of Israel. And he eventually dies in battle, losing everything. And David becomes king. <coughs> uh, John Arnott, who's the head of our, our nat- international network of churches, and a big influence in, in my life, I've heard him say this I don't know how many times. <coughs> Whenever he touches on this story, he'll always ask the congregation, "Would you rather have King Saul's anointing or King David's anointing?" John's going to be here in August. He might say this. I'd be really cool if he did. Would you rather have King Saul's anointing or King? Da- How many want King Saul's? How many want King David's? It's the same anointing. It's the same anointing. Samuel anointed. Same same prophet. Same anointing oil, probably said the same words, right? It's, the sa- it's a trick question. It's the same anointing. Um, it's what you do with the anointing and how you live under the anointing that makes you either a hero or a villain, all right? So let's have another story. Villain number two. Where's my theme music? Okay. <coughs> this is a New Testament villain. I need an organ. <laughs> Uh, uh, this is a New Testament uh, story, a New Testament villain found in Acts chapter 7. It says the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. Because Stephen was one of the young Christian leaders in the early church, and um, God used him. He ended up becoming very anointed. Started out just sermon food, but then ended up becoming an anointed preacher. And uh, at this point, he had just finished uh, this incredible... He had been confronted by Jewish leaders, And he had stood up and explained this incredible sermon. You can read it. It's right there in the Bible. What Stephen said, explaining how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament promise for the Messiah and how they had violated uh, God by killing Jesus. And their response was they were were, uh, infuriated with his accusations and they shook their fist at him in rage. Okay, let's all do that. Shake your fist in rage. Rage! It's much funner in Sunday school, right? Rage! But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in a place of honor at God's right hand, and he told them, look, so this is happening. They're upset, and he's like, wow, look. I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in place of honor at God's right hand. And they put their hands over their ears and began to shout, okay, everybody, put your hands over your ears, ah, because they didn't want to hear it. They were, ah, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> and they rushed at him. And this is not a funny story, but I'm trying to lighten it up. <laughs> they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. This is the first Christian martyr after Jesus, of course, who was killed for his faith. His accusers took off their coats. Ah! and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. So our second villain today is also named Saul, named after his his ancestor, the King Saul. This is uh, uh, in the New Testament. Uh, Next next verse goes on. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So, this is a description of somebody that's enraged and doing everything in his power to destroy Christians. To destroy. He was a villain. He's one of the worst villains in the New Testament to start out with, right? He's having people killed and dragging them off into prison. <clears throat> he starts out like a villain. Meanwhile, this is a little bit later in the story, the next chapter. Saul was uttering threats with every breath. Was this, this obsessed him, this whole thing called Christianity, to the point where he was just constantly all day, I've got to kill those stinking Christians. I can't stand them, right? Thank goodness you didn't have a YouTube account. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues of Damascus. So what happened was all the Christians left Jerusalem. He was like, there's no more Christians to arrest or kill. So I've got to go chase them down. And so he got permission, legal permission, to go to each synagogue, each of these synagogues in other cities, to, uh, to arrest them, arrest Christians, asking for a cooperation in the arrest of any of the followers of the way he found there. <clears throat> he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul goes, who are you, Lord? So he's having this encounter while he's on a journey. Sounds like another Saul, doesn't it? All right. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And that one experience radically changed this man's life. He he was blinded by this experience for three days. He didn't eat or drink and um, he ended up going to Damascus. Uh, There was a believer in Damascus whose name was Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision. So Ananias, probably praying, maybe he was sleeping, I don't know, he just has this vision. He says, Ananias! And Ananias probably was Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's what he said. Yes, Lord. Uh And the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. How many have had a word from the Lord like that? (laughs) I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Okay, this is Ananias' response. You think you want to hear God's voice, right? This is what happens when you hear God. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, Lord. But, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Of course, this was the, the fourth Ananias that, that lived in Damascus that God had to go to because the first three refused to do so. <laughs> and he'd already told Saul, that a guy named Ananias. So... That was a Ken Norberg joke. I have to give credit. <laughs> All right. Uh, as <clears throat> so Ananias goes, or, uh, yeah, uh, he goes on to say, And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. The Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He was obedient. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate food. He regained his strength. Uh, Saul stayed with the believers, but immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, uh, saying, indeed, Jesus, he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching, the Bible says, became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute the proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So we see Paul become a hero of the faith. In fact, he wrote nearly half of the New Testament. He brought the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, he planted churches. In fact, pretty much everything that we think of as church um, was was put into motion by God through his, his servant Saul, who'd gotten redeemed. That we normally call Paul. Uh, the name didn't change until gradually. Until gradually later, that he had been so transformed. As you read through Acts, they stopped referring to him as Saul and start calling him Paul, which is a variant a pronunciation of the same name, <coughs> like Juan or John. And so he was so transformed. He started out a villain, but he became. hero. So in my message today, we've had two stories, two villains, two heroes, but only two people. Because the truth is, heroes can become villains. And villains can become heroes. All right? Uh, Both, in all these stories, they were touched by the same spirit and really had the same anointing. Right? But it's how they responded that made them a hero or a villain. It's how they responded to the challenges of their life uh, under that anointing that made them a hero or a villain. Um, And the question to you is, which one will you become? All right? Same Holy Spirit that touched King Saul, filled King David, led Samuel, right? Inspired the Psalms. Same Holy Spirit uh, that changed Saul in the New Testament, the villain, into Paul the hero. Same holy Spirit here today. Yes. Yes. If you're a villain, he can make you a hero. If you're a hero, he can keep you a hero. right? Which will you become? How will you respond to the touch of God in your life? How will you respond to the episodes of life that cause fear or impatience or threats? You see, Paul, if you go through the story, he was threatened, shipwrecked, beaten, right? All of the same things. But all of those things caused him to press deeper in and rely more upon the Holy Spirit. Where King Saul in the Old Testament reacted to those threats by taking it upon himself and disobeying God. Jesus Christ died on the cross to bear the guilt of all sin, your sin, my sin, right? And to break the power of that sin, to break the power in us that wants to disobey the commands of God or to be disloyal. We don't have the power in and of ourselves, but Christ came, died on the cross, so that we could receive the Holy Spirit and that through uh, His ministry in us, we could have the strength to become heroes. I believe you're called to be a hero. All right? Say, I'm called to be a hero. I'm not going to be a villain. All right? So you need to choose that because you have the same anointing available. And there's some sphere of life. It may be your family, your kids, it may be in your workplace, it may be in a ministry, it may be in a Sunday school. Everyone has a sphere of influence. And in that sphere of influence, you are called to be the hero. Why? Because you have available to you the same thing that every hero in this book had which is the person of the Holy Spirit, God Himself, empowering and enabling you. But you have to respond to that. You have to be loyal. You have to be willing to die to yourself so that He can live through you. Let me close in prayer. Father, I pray that You'd give each person within the sound of my voice the vision and the encouragement and that they would hear the call, that they're called to be a hero. Lord, that they would see themselves uh, according to how You see them. And that they would be responsible. They would live out their life Father, faithful to the end. Father, I pray that you know, when the villainous thoughts come up, uh, treasonous thoughts, disloyal thoughts or temptations or even acts of disloyalty, Lord, that You are faithful and just when we come to You to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And all it takes is to turn again to look at you, and we can be free. Father, I pray that each person here would be empowered to be the hero you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen.